Welcome to the debut edition of Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm Joe Arrigo. Q, what's going on, bro? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm chilling here. And you need to be more fired up, man. You need to be more, more excited about this. This is going to be a fun adventure. Uh, this is the first episode of this, and I'm excited to do it. Uh, me and you have had uh, interactions in Las Vegas, and they've been really, really good. So I'm fired up, man. So uh, I need you to get to like a 10 or maybe a 12, and uh, let's go. <laughs> man, I'm trying, I'm trying to build up to it, bro. I'm trying to build up to it, but... I'm already there. I feel good about it. I feel good about everything, man. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for joining us. And and before we get too deep into Raiders talk, which is ev- what everybody's here for, let's go ahead and talk about how this whole thing transpired and how uh, Q and I put this show together and then how everybody else came involved with it. Um, if you guys don't know, um, when I was doing radio in L.A., I, I was at a, sh- at a station called The Beast 980 in Los Angeles, and there was a group of People that were producers and on air, uh, myself, uh, Adam Hawk, who's now Jim Rome's producer, Adam, uh, Alan Fowl, who is a, uh, a APD down there at the ESPN station in Texas, I think in Dallas. And then um, there's John Gennaro. And John was in charge of all of our, like, the website and the podcast, all the digital stuff, right? So we all just kind of like about the same age. I'm a little older than most of them. And we all kind of linked up. And we were like, kind of like the band of merry men we go out and have a couple pops after work together and um just kind of hung out we have a really cool bond and it was a really great station to work at well we all kind of went our separate ways right around the time or a little bit before the station flipped formats but we all remain in contact with each other so about a month and a half ago um john reaches out to me and was like hey you know well, how you been and we just got caught up and he goes look i'm not calling you to talk about personal stuff i'm just calling to talk about some business and at that time, I kind of figured, like, you know, all right, John, you know, well, what, what do you got for me now? And I, you know, I figured, you know, you're at SB Nation, you know, let, let's talk. And he says, Joe, like, look, um, you know, the Silver and Black Pride uh, website, you know, they're, they're doing some podcasts. And, you know, I really want to see if you could come in and kind of help with it and kind of, you know, oversee it and kind of like bring in some people that you know and you do some yourself because I know you have the ties with the Raiders. I know you got, you know, people that are reporters and, and they're doing the same thing. They have their ties and you're right there in Vegas. And I, and I was like, you know, I'm definitely interested. And the first person I thought of was you, Q. And I've told you this, you're my first round pick. And um, and I reached out to Q and I talked to, talked to Q a little bit. And then uh, everybody that knows me knows um, Scott Winter's my guy. I've been cool with Scott for a number of years now. And with the whole relocation process, Scott and I kind of linked up. And then uh, I reached out to Scott, and Scott said, yes, he's down. And then I reached out to Nick Hamilton, who, if you don't know Nick Hamilton, Nick is a phenomenal reporter and uh, broadcaster in Los Angeles. He covers the Rams and the Chargers, but more specifically the Rams nowadays. So um, so I reached out to, to, to Nick because I know his, I've been on his show and his podcast a number of times, and Nick was all on board. And then I was like, I want to get a group of hungry kids. And I say kids, but young adults. And then I, I found Anaya and Addison Howard, who Anaya is, um, if, I, if I can't say this enough about Anaya, she is, she is going to be the next great female host, um, if it's in sports broadcasting, if she gets into terrestrial or, or satellite radio. Anaya is phenomenal. And then you have Addison Howard, who's a diehard Raiders fan, this kid that does a show uh, at his university back east in Pennsylvania. And then uh, if you don't know uh, – 
for what I do with UNLV, I have someone that's on my staff for that website, Kalen Sokol. And uh, Kalen is a very knowledgeable, passionate football fan. So I brought Kalen on board. So that's kind of how everything came together. Uh, we spoke to Levi, and I'm, he was very gracious with his support with us, um, being a part of the Silver and Black Pride family. And that's how the Silver and Black Pride podcast network on SB Nation kind of came about. And we're here to bring you all the latest and greatest Raider news. I'm pumped about it. I've been pumped about this for a while. I teased it on Twitter. Q, you and I have had plenty of conversations about it. And I'm glad you're on board, man. I want to thank you for, for being a part of this with me. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it, man. Anytime I have an opportunity to, to talk about, one, first of all, the Raiders, and anytime I'm able to talk about somebody that knows the industry very, very well and communicated and has been on that radio level, man, it just makes it that much easier and that much better for me. You know, I really enjoy it. Obviously, I'm a guy from the Bay originally, and uh, I've been all, all over. Now I'm in Central Texas. Uh, I got family there in, in Vegas, and me and, and Joe, we've hooked up when, when I've been in Vegas uh, watching my sons play basketball and everything and so uh, I know that you're a good dude I know that there's a lot of good things coming and and we're gonna have a lot of good conversations man so anytime you could put some kind of conversation out about the NFL the Raiders sports in general man I just feel blessed to be a part of it and and even blessed that you thought about me as like hey yeah I would like to have Q as, as a part of it because that doesn't always uh, be the case you know what I mean and, and and this is a very competitive market and and just to know that I was top of mind for you. I'm all good with it. So I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoys our shows. Uh, I know a few folks have hit us up already on Twitter saying, hey, where can we find it? Uh, you know, when's it going to pop off? When's the first show going to happen? So I'm just excited that people are interested and that we're going to get this thing going. Man, this is going to be big because we're not really competing with anybody. We're kind of just doing our own thing, staying in our lane. And look, the way I look at it, Raider Nation, there's a big pie. You got great podcasts from other people, great radio shows from other people. You know, go ahead and check those out. But we want to be your home. We want to be your voice. We want you to be able to sound off to us about your the joys and the pains, the frustrations of not just on the field, but even with the move. Because quite frankly, the move is something that um, it's something we're going to talk about a little later in the show. But, but I know how frustrated a lot of Bay Area and really Oakland fans are with the move to Las Vegas pending in 2020. So, you know, we're going to be the voice of the people, but we're going to give you an educated uh, view of things, and we're going to give you a view. We're going to have a lot of people that's going to be on the show. We'll have guys that cover the Raiders. Um, we'll have guys like Levi from, from, the, from the website himself on uh, every now and again. So we're going to have a bunch of guys on. We're going to make this thing big. So this is the first show. It's Q&A with Q and Joe Arrigo. We also will have uh, Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter. That's going to be a fantastic show. And then uh, Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya, Kaylin, and Addison. That's going to be a really cool show. It's going to be very fun and interactive. A lot of the ideas they have. I'm, I'm really excited to get to be a part of. And then this is where, um, if you're a Raider fan and you want to be a part of our shows, this is where you pay attention and listen. We will have a show called the Raiders Roundtable. The Raiders Roundtable is going to have Anaya as the host. And every now and again, somebody else may drop in. It may be Q, me, somebody from our podcast network. We may just jump in and just host it. But this basically going to be around the horn. Which you, which you watch on ESPN, the same type of format. So one day, one week, you may have Q, you may have Scott Winter, we may have a special celebrity guest like recording artist TQ, and then we want one Raiders fan. We want somebody who is a super fan on 
to talk Raiders with our panel. This is where you guys come into play. If you want to get involved with that and you would like to, um, to potentially be a guest on the show, all you have to do is reach us through email. And the reason why I choose email is because the Twitter account, we're not going to have a Twitter account for the podcast. We, are going to have, we do have an email set up, and that email is RaidersPodcast on SBNation at gmail.com. That's RaidersPodcast on SBNation at gmail.com. The reason why I chose that long name is because it's a long name, and I wanted you to write a lot. To, to tell us why you deserve to be on the show. So that's that. We got, we got that out the way, but let's get into uh, another show that kind of took a shot at Derek Carr, Q. Hey, hold um, on, hold on. Before you get into that, though, I'm just still stuck on TQ could be on the show. All I think of when I think of TQ is it's all about the West Side. You know what I'm saying? Go back in the hey, day. <laughs> yeah, hey, T- hey, full disclosure, that is my, like, to my core, my best friend. That's my brother from another mother. He's the godfather of one of my children. Nice. Um, Yeah, we. That's my. that's my bro, and he's 100% on board. He's a diehard Raiders fan, been in the black hole, would love to sing the national anthem, uh, not only at the stadium in Las Vegas, but wherever they're playing in the day out next year, which we'll get to just a little bit later. And, yeah, so Squeeze, I call him Squeeze. He is 100% on board with this. He wants to be on the very first Raiders roundtable. Um, we just got to make sure schedules work. And uh, he's really excited about it. So um, I'm excited about it. I can't wait for that, that show because I kind of have an idea who the, who the first super fan is going to be. I'm just I, I just gotta confirm it before we drop the name of who it is because when he comes on, it's like having the Incredible Hulk in the building. This guy is a rock. I mean, he is man. I can't. This dude is like literally. If I had a quote unquote bodyguard, he would be the guy I hire. And he's a super Raiders fan, and uh, he don't take no mess from anybody, bro. I heard that. I'm just excited, man. I'm excited about the whole thing. It sounds like a great scenario. Sounds like we're going to have a lot of fun. And again, man, I got to shout out to my man TQ because it's all about the worldwide West Side. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I'm telling you, I mean, and, and Joe, I keep going back to that because before I did sports radio, man, I was a hip hop DJ. And I'll tell you right now, TQ and West Side, that was one of the songs I played the most. And, and his, uh, his manager, one of his guys that pushed his record, man, used to hit me all the time. Sir T, that was my guy. Uh, I'm just going to shout. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you already know. That's why you're laughing. You already know certainty, man. Uh, yeah, hey, <laughs> exactly. When I, think, when, I, when I think about that with you, I can only picture you and Fresno on Q. Was it Q94.7? Q97. Q97, yep. Q97. Yep. And I, and I know he's, I know Squeeze used to go up there and do a ton of shows. All because, the time. Um, that's where my girlfriend's from. And, and they were talking about that. And she was like, I remember seeing you at such and such show. And he goes, girl, I've been to Fresno so much. I know all about it. Mm-hmm. I know all about uh, the bull, was it bull, not Bulldog Bar and Grill. What's the... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Bill, the Doghouse. Yeah, dog yeah, house. the Doghouse Grill. Yeah, man. Hey, man. Look, yeah, I can tell you all the Fresno and- stories if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so, yeah, I could, I could just picture you. In fact, I'll make sure you're on that first one with them so you can have some fun with it. Yeah, no doubt. We're family, man. We're absolute family. Like I said, man, we go back uh, like the Commodores, man. And, and I know that I hosted many shows that he was at, and I was the MC for it, and, and he was the soundtrack, man, because TQ, back in the day, man, that was a lot of love. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm glad he's part of the team. And, and oh, man, it's all about the worldwide West Side. Yeah, I mean, man, oh, man, I'm, 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 about to, I'm about to go play that cut right now, man. I don't care. <laughs>
Okay, I'll tell you what. Well, while you play that cut, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about who Derek Carr wants to fight, why he wants to fight him, and what the odds are for him fighting somebody else. That's right here on Q&A with Q and Joe Rigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Q&A with Q and Joe Arrigo. I am Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. And Q, man, we seen the tweets yesterday. Derek Carr was talking about, he tweeted at Dana White, the UFC president, and said, basically, like, what can we do for me to fight some of these talking heads that don't know anything that just spits whatever rigmarole on, uh, on TV? And uh, then Stephen A. clapped back. So now you know who it was. It was Stephen A. and Max Kellerman of ESPN's first take. Um, and it went to pretty much Max kind of took a, a shot at Stephen or at uh, Derek Carr, basically saying like he felt like he quit the second half of the year and he doesn't have heart. And that um, essentially um, that they, he thinks that he should be traded, you know, that he should, he should, uh, they should draft Kyler Murray. And, and trade Derek Carr for if they can get anything. And Carr took offense to it. Um, Carr came back today on, uh, on Golick and, and uh, Wingo and said, quote, part of it, uh, the part where he goes in, again, people talking about performance all the time, that stuff doesn't bother me. It happened for four or five years now, plus five plus if you count college. He said something where he questioned my desire and want to. This man has never talked to me my entire life. This man has never worked with me, never woken up early with me to study, to go play hurt, and all these kinds of things. Uh, Derek Carr continued on by saying, quote, you can say whatever you want about performance and all that. That's his job, and I understand that. But when you start talking about a man's character and the want to and desire, that's a different story. And I don't think there's anybody holding these guys accountable for what they go off on when they go off on those kinds of tangents, end quote. I have to agree with Carr in this. Um, Max, you know, who I've had the opportunity to have plenty of conversations with in Los Angeles, uh, admitted that he has never uh, – he didn't watch Carr the second half of the year. So he must not have seen Derek Carr's performance get better after they traded Cooper to the Cowboys. Right. And you're talking, and you're talking about a quarterback who played the year previous with a broken back. And then this year, once he really got acclimated and comfortable in Gruden's offensive system – You've seen a quarterback who was more assertive, more vocal, and you've seen the leader that Raiders fans have wanted to see out of him for the last three or four years. No doubt about it. And and as a Raider fan, I was glad to see it. I really was. And I'm kind of glad that Max Kellerman kind of started it up, even though uh, I don't like him as as far as that guy that just kind of throws that stuff out there when, like you just said, he hasn't seen the second half of the season. So I think it's kind of reckless that, talk about a man in general when you haven't seen the whole like his whole body of work so I thought that was reckless and I don't like that on Kellerman's part but I like the fact that it got Derek Carr fired up because honestly I think he needs to have a little something in his neck you know what I mean I think he needs to have a little bit of a burn in his belly and get a little bit fired up because a lot of times when we as fans see Derek Carr talk after the game especially after a bad loss or something he'll just he'll say the coach speak he'll talk like a a well-mannered uh, quarterback that's going to continue to try to get better and you know we got to keep working and we're trying to win and we're going to get you know like everything good and positive but everything's not always good and positive so to see him 
them get irritated and get bothered by something, I'm great with that. I thought it was a good good move that Derek Carr fired back. I know a lot of people think that it's not because he's this guy, that guy, or the, or the other, and that he's supposed to have a certain role. But again, you mentioned it and you hit it on the head. When a man's character is questioned, not his his performance on the field, but when you question a man's character and say that he's this kind of a guy and you don't know him from Adam, that's like me throwing it out there and saying, Joe Arrigo is this guy. Without knowing you from Adam, all I see is you on Twitter. That would be unfair. Well, and that I get that. well full disclosure, I get that a lot from people that don't know me on Twitter right. and everywhere else, so I'm kind of used to it too, but... I mean, no, I get what you're saying, and I think let, let's just call it what it is, Q. People think because Carr's a Christian and he yep. professes his love for Jesus Christ that he can't be a fiery leader. Right. And they think that's – and they, they say literally that he's – well, he's too Christian out there. He, he doesn't get in guys' face. He doesn't yell. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Brady where he's cursing up a storm. Right. That doesn't mean the guy doesn't have fire. Right. It means the guy – is doing his best to not curse, and you don't know whether or not what he what he says in the locker room to his teammates. He may not do it publicly because maybe he's been he's seen his brother and he's went through it with his brother, and he's been coached up by some of the you know by Coach Hill, and and then when DeRuiter was there for that, he was there at the end of the DeRuiter year or whatnot, the last year or two was DeRuiter being the Fresno State head coach. So when you look at him, he's still he's still developing. Mike Mayock said something today that I thought was very educational. He said there's, there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, and we have one of them. A quarterback is, is the least of my concerns. Mike Mayock basically said right there, because remember, my thing is this, Q, I tell this to anybody and everybody, listen to what is not being said, because that's what they're actually saying. Yep. He basically said right there, we're not drafting a quarterback early. He is our guy. Move on to the next one. We're not, they're not going to – Derek Carr was the least of their problems last year. Maybe the play of their first-round pick for most of the year, except when he was hurt, was part of the problem. Maybe the fact that the defense didn't have an identity until the last part of the year when they started playing Conley and Joseph a little bit more, when they let them go out there and play, you seen what two former first-round picks could do when they got the opportunity to play. You, and then the defense started to gel a little bit more. Right. The problem wasn't Derek Carr. The problem was the receivers couldn't get open on the outside. The problem was your running back got hurt early in the year and you're going with journeymen back there. The problem was your tackle play wasn't great. Yeah, I, li- I like Parker, but, I mean, Miller to me, I could give her, you know, I think that should really flip. Parker should be the left and Miller should be the right tackle. That's another story for another day. The defensive line couldn't create pressure. There was distractions from before the time the season even began with the trade of Khalil Mack. And then the trade of Cooper midseason. And then is Gruden worth $100 million? The problem wasn't Derek Carr. It was everything else but Derek Carr. Yeah, I could agree with that. I mean, there's a lot of things that Derek Carr did that Raider fans in general were not happy about. But he was not the, the biggest issue. You know, and, and I'm... I'm the guy that feels like there's a lot of problems that the Raiders need to address this offseason. I think this draft is the biggest in Raiders history. I'll, I'll be on record of saying that. I don't think there's a bigger draft wow. ever. I'm serious. I, I mean, go back to the Raiders uh, drafts. I don't think there's another draft that was bigger than this one coming up because if they fail on this one, having three first-round draft picks, guess how many years it's going to set the Raiders back? It's going to set them back. Oh, so about seven. Exactly. So that's going to be detrimental. It's going to be death 
if they don't get it right. So that's why I think it's the the biggest and, and, and the most important draft ever in the history of the Raiders. I'll, I'll go ahead and double down on that. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's problems outside of Derek Carr. And, yes, he needs to get weapons. And I think halfway through the season, I think he or, – or when Amari Cooper was still there, I think he lost confidence in Cooper. You know, I think there was a lot of things going on. You mentioned Khalil Mack. That was obviously one of those things that was devastating, and nobody ever believed that that was going to happen. I sure did. And I was like, no way they're going to trade him. It ended up happening. But guess what? Even if you add what Khalil Mack did with the Chicago Bears in 2018, he had 12 and a half sacks. The Raiders had 13. That's 25 and a half. They would still be 31st in the league in sacks. So obviously they have. They need more than just Khalil Mack. They need a lot more. So they've they've got a plenty of holes that they need to fill. They've have, they got a lot of ammunition to fill those holes, but they've got to get it and they got to get it right. Well, let's let's and we didn't even have this in the rundown, but let's talk about the Khalil Mack situation, okay? I was told and and I tweeted this out. I've talked to you about it publicly and privately. That up, they were trying to get a deal done up until that Friday night right. with him. They made him an offer where it was $90 million and twenty. It got, it got up to $21 million guaranteed, and max people were stuck on that 23. That's according to people I know in the building that told me as such. They got the $21 million guaranteed in that 90, and they were stuck on that 23. Eclipsing Aaron Donald was the most important thing to them. He had a number he wasn't going to budge. And at that point, Mark Davis said, enough is enough. If you're not willing to work with us, you don't want to be here enough. We're going to go ahead and trade you. And I'm going to say something right now that's going to piss off a ton of people. Khalil Mack is overpaid. Look at, look at where was he at in that Eagles game, the last drive? Was he effective at all? No. And the Bears got knocked out the playoffs? No. Let's go back to week one. His biggest plays in that game came against Deshaun Kaiser of the Packers, not Aaron Rodgers. And then that last series, when you're getting paid that money, I remember him chasing down Randall Cobb and, and failing to do so and falling out. He's play, he played a good half of football in almost every game, and then he missed some games for whatever reason, whatever, injury or whatever it may have been. First time in his career that you're, that's ever happened. So, yeah, so you're paying this dude all this money, and he got 12 and a half sacks. Aaron Donald had, what, 20? Yep. Yep. That's worth the money. And he's playing a tougher position, playing inside as a tackle, not just the guy that's going to rush past. And he has to play the run well. Yep. That's why Aaron Donald is worth the money, and Khalil Mack is overpaid. So I don't begrudge the Raiders. And you know what? And you know, they could have said, you know what, Joe, if, or, or whoever, you could say this. You know what, Joe, you're crazy. Green Bay offered two first round picks. Well, Khalil Mack goes to Green Bay. They win the the, the NFC North. If if they trade him to San Francisco, they probably win the AFC West or compete for it. Wherever they would have traded him, they wouldn't have got value. But to get what they got from the Bears, now albeit I probably wouldn't have thrown in that second round pick next year. Right. But that's another story. But to get what you got from the Bears, you went you trade him to the situation that you thought at the end of the day, young quarterback, first time head coach. Don't really have too many weapons on offense. They're not. They got to do it. Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings look like the best, you know, overall team in that division. That's the best situation for us to get them to. That right there in itself was a very smart way and logical way of thinking. No one could have known that Aaron Rodgers was going to basically tear an ACL and play on a, a bad knee all year. No one's going to know that the Vikings were going to flop with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. Um, 
even though he's he's another one that's overpaid. And I'll never – so I don't mean overpaying because he's not worth the money. You get what you get, and I'm never going to begrudge a player for getting it. But right. he's, he's not that upper-tier quarterback, and he's getting paid as such. No. No one knew that was going to happen. Nope. So I don't begrudge the Raiders for that. And I agree, this is huge in terms of draft pick-wise what they need to do to set the future straight. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, you know, and I don't either, you know, and I, I think that they gave Khalil a, a very nice contract offer. He could have took it, but he didn't. And again, just like you said, I don't begrudge anyone who goes and gets their money. If you think you can get more from someone else, so be it, you know, do what you got to do, because we all know in this game, you're one play away. But uh, at the end of the day, man, the, the Raiders were more than just Khalil Mack away. If, if they had had Khalil Mack for 2018, they would have won a couple more games, maybe, than four. I mean, they won four. I still, they're still not a playoff team, in my opinion. We saw why they're not a playoff team on the field, and that's why they need to fill all these holes, and that's why they have the ammunition with all the draft picks, with all the uh, salary cap money that they have. They have the ammunition. They have the guys in the building that they feel can get it done. Now they just have to go and get it done. So we'll see how it happens. But again, man, uh, I just going back to Derek Carr. I just like the fact that he came out and uh, basically had his guns blazing and said, "Hey, look, man." Uh, you guys don't know me from Adam. Uh, I'm a I'm a real deal dude. There's never a time when I've not wanted to be in the moment. I never not wanted it. That's just silly. That's stupid. And again, that's for those kind of shows. The first takes, the undisputed, the you know, the jump off. I mean, all those all those shows are all about you know saying something that makes somebody you know get uh, uh, get some feelings, get get feeling about themselves. You know, getting some feeling some get kind of way about it. Yeah, get a reaction. That's damn it. That's the best word. Get a reaction. These shows are trying to get a reaction and a rise. They got it out of Derek Carr. Some folks think it's not a good look. I love it because that's some fire that I would love to see from Derek Carr. He's not going to be the guy that, like you mentioned way earlier in the podcast, going to cuss a dude out, get in his face, and you know do all that good stuff. But to have that kind of reaction, I love it, man. Don't question my character because I'm going to come for your neck. Do you think that John Gruden's rubbing off on Derek Carr? I mean, that seems like a grooting thing to do. Like, really? Then let's step outside and take care of this like some grown-ass man. Yeah. Like, do you think that maybe Gruden is rubbing off on Carr a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Carr's already said that they got a great relationship. He says he loves Coach Gruden. And, you know, and, and that, I think they do things differently. I expected their relationship to be a little bit different when, when uh, Gruden took over that job. I expected them to be, you know, bumping heads a little bit more. And, and we've seen it throughout the season. We've seen, you know, Gruden get after Carr. Carr even fire back on Gruden. I think John Gruden wants Derek Carr to be very Rich Gannon-like. Now, it might not be the Absolutely. same language. You know what I'm saying? But he wants him to be that guy where he's like, no, I'm going to come back at you. Because they used to beef on the sidelines all the time. But at the end of the day, Rich Gannon turned into an MVP. And John Gruden turned into a hell of a coach. So, yeah. I think that that's what he wants. I think he sees it in Derek Carr, but he's trying to pull it out of him. I think Gruden not only wants it, I think I think he gets off on it. Yeah. I think that it's like, yeah, now I got him. I I got him engaged now, mm-hmm. and he's ready to go. I mean, I, I, I would agree with that. And you bring up Rich Gannon. Could Rich Gannon be the Raiders' next quarterback coach? He, wanted the, he almost took the job last year. He was offered it. He had accepted and then backed out at the last minute. They have that opening. I wish he would. As our quarterback coach, I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I'm going to say this: It wouldn't surprise me one bit if he ended up being the Raiders' quarterback coach. It wouldn't surprise me at uh, all I'll either. Leave, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But I will say this too: <laughs> Why are you laughing uh, though? Stephen why a- you? La- why you can't be saying nothing and then laughing? <laughs> you can't, man. <laughs> you can't. 
You can't do hey, that, man. Hey, nothing's official till ink is dry. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, check this out. So Stephen A. fired back at at uh, at Derek Carr, right? So Bovada today released odds on a potential Stephen A. versus Derek Carr fight. Now, personally, I may be the only person in America I like Stephen A. I may, and I like Stephen A. for a variety of reasons. And most importantly to me personally is our interaction before a Clipper Rocket playoff game in uh, 2014. It was game three where Austin Rivers, or game four when Austin Rivers went off for like 20-something or 18-something in the third quarter, and the Clippers went up, went up 3-1, ended up blowing that, that series. But he and I sat down and had a cool like 35-40 minute conversation prior to the game. But I liked him before that. So Stephen A versus Derek Carr in a fight. Bovada has minus 130 for Stephen A and minus 110 for Derek Carr. There's been no odds on if Max uh, Kellerman and Derek are gonna if they were to chunk them what what that number would be. Who do you got in a fight like that, Q? I mean, honestly, I look at that and I laugh. I mean, I laugh at it, and I couldn't believe when I saw that that they actually had odds on that because Stephen A is what fifty one. I mean, he's he's like fifty one years yeah. old, and I respect him. I'm not a big fan of Stephen A anymore, and I got history and, and stories behind that. But I do respect him because you know, Joe, being in this industry, it's a very hard hustle. It is a very hard hustle oh, yeah. to, to do what you're trying to do, get your niche, and try to be somebody. And Stephen A has not only carved out a great niche for himself, he's also taking it to a whole nother level. And right now, he's he's at the top of the food chain. So I cannot be mad at him for that at all. I'll never knock his hustle. I don't really respect the tactics and the way he goes about it these days because it's not the same as it was when he first got started. But, you know, things like that happen. I get that. Uh, I don't know. When it comes to a fight... I don't think Derek Carr and I don't know him. I've never seen him scrap in the in the in the parking lot at the high school like we used to do back in the day. I've never seen that, so I don't know <laughs> if he could be anybody. I'm, I just want to. I'll probably say that Derek or uh, Stephen A would probably beat him. I think he's probably got that old school uh, YMCA strength. You know that old school man at the YMCA where you look at him like, oh man, that dude's got a receding hairline. He ain't gonna do nothing, and then he beats the snot out of you. You know what I mean? Like I figure like he probably has that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But <laughs> we all know, and I don't know. And again, Derek Carr may be tough. He might be that guy. Because back in the day, Doc, I'll tell you, when I was in eighth grade, I got into a fight with one dude, and I thought I was going to beat the mess out of him. He got me out there, and, man, he hit me a couple times, and I was like, oh, dang, this dude could really go hard to paint. Okay, I'm in trouble. And so, you know, I, I fought back. But still, I, I, I overestimated that or underestimated that dude, and I almost ended up in some big-time trouble. But so I, I don't know if Derek Carr could be that guy. I just don't look at him as a fighter. I just – I just don't. I'm sorry, Derek. I'm not trying. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see him as that dude. This is where I disagree with you. I got Carr for a variety of reasons. Okay. One, I'm going to break this down from, from, a, from a, just a tail of the tape. Okay. He's younger, first of all. He weighs more. I mean, and he's, he's working out more. So, you know, he's got power behind his punches. Stephen A has him on reach. Stephen A's like 6'3, six, 6'4. Six, he's a tall brother. So he's got he's got long arm, he's got that reach. He could probably keep him away with a jab. But see, here's where and then Stephen A's from he's from New York. Is it from Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah. So he's from B to the K. But see, Derek Carr's from Bakersfield. And if you're a California person or yeah, Bakersfield, not Boston. I always get Bakersfield and Barstow mixed up, but he's from Bakersfield. Yeah. Dude, 
What's in Bakersfield? Not a damn thing. There's like, nothing to ba- Bakers. Look, Bakersfield is the is the spot that you meet somebody uh, halfway. Like, oh, I'm coming from exactly. Vegas. Yeah, I'm coming from Vegas. Oh, just meet me in Bakersfield, and I'll drop this off to you, or I'll drop this kid off to you, or whatever. That's the meeting place. I know for experience. <laughs> okay, so 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 you look at that. It's like, okay, you're in the armpit of California, Bakersfield. The the most famous people to come out of Bakersfield, besides the cars. I believe Matt Barnes is from Bakersfield. And then you got Nick Diaz and his brother, the UFC fighters. Oh, boy. So, so yeah, so you figure there ain't nothing to do in Bakersfield but throw them if you, if you got an opportunity. So if you're not playing football, there's only a couple other things you're probably going to be doing. We're going to keep this, this initial podcast clean because <laughs> I'm not going to say smoke meth and have sex, but, hey, I'm just saying, there's not that much to do in Bakersfield. Cow tip, maybe? I don't know. It's true. But at the end of the day, I like Carr because of that, because he is that Bakersfield. He's got that little edge to him. And I think you see it a little bit more. I think Gruden is bringing that out of him. Carr wants to be coached hard. And I think that at this point, this is a good thing for Derek Carr. I think he's going to get in a position to where um, that that this is going to bring something out of him, kind of almost like – when Favre went to rehab and he came out just so laser-focused, they ended up winning a Super Bowl that year. I don't think the Raiders are anywhere close to winning the Super Bowl right no, now. No, no, As of today, not even close. But to have your quarterback get in and, and to be in that, I think they, can, they owe Max and, and Stephen A. Smith uh, a thank you to have their quarterback come out and show this publicly. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, this was good to get uh, Derek Carr fired up. I will say again that I think uh, Stephen A. probably has that old school, uh, I'm at the YMCA, that old man strength that, you know, you know, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, because I play hoops right now at, at, the, at the YMCA and I don't have the athleticism where I could jump out the gym anymore like I did when I was like 21, 22, and I'm 42. Let's put it out there. I mean, I, I, I used to be able to jump out the gym. I'm not that dude anymore, but I'm still smart enough to be able to, to win. Win. I know how these young cats are going to play, and I can get that uh, that old school YMCA uh, buckets here, buckets there, get some steals here. You know, I, I know what I'm doing, and so I think that that's where Stephen A. would get Derek Carr in a fight. I, I don't think that that Derek Carr, uh, you know, really realizes like how to how to win that that fight, that street fight in, in, in the hood. And I think that uh, Stephen A. still has enough smarts for, to do that. But again, I don't, these guys are never going to get into a fight, so it really doesn't matter. Even though I'm trying to go into a long explanation of why one guy will win, <laughs> <laughs> they're never going to fight. But I'm up here trying to really break it down, which uh, just makes me sound dumb. But it's all good. I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, we're not going to see them in, uh, in the MGM in Las Vegas anytime soon. If they did, they'd be marvelous, and it'd be cool if they did it for money going to charity. I right. would put that out there. So, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then we got a couple big topics we're going to talk to you guys about. Uh, the first thing, we'll tell you what's going on in Vegas. Why? We'll tell you the year the Super Bowl will be played in Vegas, and we'll give you some information regarding uh, where the Raiders could be potentially be playing next year. And we'll also talk about the Raiders – draft status well who do we think they're going to take we'll talk about them being at the senior bowl who to watch out for but we want to remind you guys to check out the silver and black turf show with nick hamilton and scott winter it's right here on the silver and black pride podcast network on sb nation that's nick hamilton scott winter giving you all the inside details about everything that's raider related scott is the aforementioned expert when it comes to relocation when it comes to understanding what's going on with the legalities and the paperwork, there's nobody better than Scott. 
and Nick's going to bring Nick's going to bring heat. If you want to have hot takes and a guy that's going to get your blood boiling and make you think, that's Nick Hamilton. That show is called Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter, and that's right here on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Where we're going to come back and talk to you more about Raiders right after this. Welcome back to Q&A with Joe Arrigo and Q. I said that backwards, but whatever, dude. It's all good. First show, we're allowed to have some hiccups. (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) So did you see today uh, where Raiders president Mark Bedane, uh, who said earlier um, that the team will lead a push to bring Super Bowl 59, which would be L-I-X in Roman numerals, uh, and take place in 2025 to Las Vegas. Um, yeah. Don't think that that already hasn't been discussed, and don't think that they have they don't have a handshake, wink, wink, nod, nod agreement. Mark Davis is on the Super Bowl committee. Um, I just want to put that out there. But Bedane was speaking uh, at Thursday's tourism-related panel discussion, and he told Chairman Steve Hill that the NFL has uh, changed the process in hosting league's championship games in the Super Bowl over the last few years now. And uh, the first opportunity to host the Super Bowl will be in 2025. Uh, by that time, the, the Raiders Las Vegas Stadium, the $1.8 billion Raider and UNLV Football Palace, will uh, be open nearly five years by then. And uh, the team feel, feels very strongly that uh, the Super Bowl will be held in Vegas at that time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I saw that, and the only thing that surprised me is the fact that they're not getting the Super Bowl until 2025. You know what I mean? I, I know that they're going into this uh, into Vegas in 2020, and you know you have to be there what a couple years before you can host the Super Bowl. I immediately thought, okay, 2022 is going to happen, but the Super Bowls are already planned out so far in advance. And look, we're starting to get retreads. You know, we're getting Tampa again, we're getting Miami again, we're getting. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to give me something again, give me New Orleans. That's that's where I want to go. Yeah. That, that was my first Super yeah. Bowl, and that was amazing. I'll be in Atlanta this week. I'll let it be known. See, you're I'm, lucky. Yeah, yeah, you, you damn right. <laughs> you, you and you and Nick, you and Nick both get to go to Atlanta and cover mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. I've never covered a Super Bowl. Well, hey, you need to do that. I mean, I'm telling you, man, if you want to come to the ATL, holler at your boy. I got a place for you to stay. It ain't no, it ain't no worry. If you can get to okay. ATL, come on through, man, because I'm telling you, my first experience was in uh, New Orleans when the Ravens played the 49ers, and it was amazing. And I got spoiled because I was in New Orleans, and that's a whole nother city. I mean, that's Vegas. That's a cheaper Vegas, in my opinion. I mean, really, it's the same thing. It's the same party atmosphere, but it's – New Orleans, and it's a lot of fun. But uh, man, oh man! So every every year, I have a great time at the Super Bowl. I'm just surprised that the Ve- the, the Raiders aren't going to be able to get it till 2025, and Vegas won't get it till 2025. But I I get it. I also get it because I realize that they're already planned out. What I do like and what I do appreciate is the fact that the draft will be in Vegas in 2020. So you already know that. Hey, man, it's full steam ahead. When the the draft is there, then the Super Bowl is right around the corner. Absolutely, and let me let me point this out in case you forgot. I went to college in Atlanta. Ooh, okay. Um, so so I know all the spots. Magic City in the A. The Follies, <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll get into that. I'll tell you about that off the air. But yeah, there is. Um, yeah, Atlanta is fun. Uh, very fun if you know where to go. Um, and and I can just imagine how thotty that's going to be mm-hmm. uh, in the all next week and the week after. I mean that's just going to be um, that's just going to be an amazing environment for everybody um, to be around. And surprisingly, Cardi B's not going to be there because she decided to pull out the Super Bowl, which 
Okay, I thought if, if Cardi was there, I thought that'd be off the chain. But I do agree with you that I was kind of surprised. But but like Bedane said, Mark said that they did change the rules of um, how how to host a Super Bowl, and that the earliest they can do it is twenty twenty five. So I don't know what rules were changed that had to happen um, at the last owners' meetings. But I'm not. But the old rules, the Raiders probably would have held the Super Bowl in 2023 because 2022 is going to be held in Los Angeles. Yep. Um, so it's just kind of what it's one of those things where I can kind of see where, like, like why they want to probably move it out a little bit. But um, there really isn't any new stadium. So from 2022 to 2025, it's going to be a retread stadium. It could be uh, New Orleans. It could be Atlanta again. It could be Minnesota again. Um, it could be Miami. Don't sleep on Green Bay hosting the Super Bowl in that time. The host of the Lambeau Field. I think a lot of people would really dig that. Um, uh, it's the mecca of football. Um, don't forget New York, you know, potentially. So there's a lot of different places. I personally don't like it in cold weather areas. Um, I think that, quite frankly, January in New York or Minnesota is probably going to be brutal for reporters and everybody else. Uh, have it in a warm weather place like New Orleans, have it in a place uh, like Los Angeles or, you know, San Francisco, I guess, was a hot mess when they had it up there. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So, it's in Santa because it's in Santa Clara. It's not even San Francisco. It's Santa Clara. Nobody, there's nothing to do with Santa Clara, but go to Great America. And I'm not 18 anymore or 14 or 15. Oh, uh, you know, you want to go there during like Halloween hunt and all that. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, ch- check this out. The next, the ne- here's the next few uh, Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, 2019 we already know is in Atlanta. 2020 is in Miami. All right. 2021 is in Tampa. Fun. Which, uh, whatever. It's like you go from Miami to Tampa. Whatever. 2022, like you mentioned, L.A. And that's only because they had to switch with Tampa because the stadium. It took a long time to build because of the weather and everything. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. L.A. in 2022. 2023, it's back in Arizona. I'll let you know right now. That was not one of my fun uh, Super Bowl experiences. Arizona was okay, but everything was really spread out, so whatever. And then 2024, I'll be happy it's back in New Orleans, and then 2025, it'll be in Vegas. I I mean, it's not official, obviously, but I do believe they'll get it in 2025. So that'll be cool, 2024, 2025, New Orleans, and then Vegas. You can't go wrong there. Yeah, you can't. And and you go from Mardi Gras to, to Vegas, I mean. Exactly. Like, that you cannot go wrong. In fact, I'm, those might be two that I make, well, obviously Vegas, but uh, – New Orleans, maybe when I'm, I'm gonna try to get to that one. Got to. I haven't been, to, I haven't been to New Orleans in a while. I think it was like ninety nine, no wow. ninety ninety seven, ninety seven. Right, right after I went to college, that's the last time I was in New Orleans. Damn. I went down there for uh for the Bayou Classic. Oh, those and, are cla- uh, those are great. Those are great. Yeah, I was down there with all the noops, and and we seen a, a lot of things, and and yeah, it was interesting. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it was interesting. So, okay, but I, w- I want to get into this because I know there's going to be people that listen to this and sit there and say, you know, the stadium is never going to happen and there's nobody's going to go to Vegas and yada, yada, I'm angry, disgruntled guy. Well, check this out. Let me go ahead and point this out there for everybody. Steve Hill also announced today at the uh, tourism meeting that uh, Mark Bedane was at. And this is uh, uh, from the Review Journal of the RJ's Rick Valletta. Um, that uh, Las Vegas in in, in uh, 2018 hosted 42.1 million tourists, including 6.5 million convention attendees, 
Um, that is 88.2% occupancy rate at an average of $113.50 per room. He said uh, until new room inventory becomes available, which should happen in 2019 and 2020, with uh, result with Resort World being uh, completed, and then you also have the upgrades to the Hard Rock that that Virgin just took over, and there, there's also some upgrades at other hotels and properties around Vegas. Vegas right now is creeping towards its capacity. So, if anybody tells you guys that the numbers that people aren't going to Vegas and numbers are down, in all actuality, they're not. It's damn near at capacity. Just you know, it is going to fluctuate with various things, and let's be honest. Uh, what happened October 1st. Um, right. Uh, and, you know, that, that took a hit um, for tourism early on in the year. But things are picking back up. And if you've been to Vegas anytime recently, if you're there for CES, if you're there for, uh, I honestly hate to say it, the AVNs, which is going on uh, this week, if you're there for um, any of those things, um, any of those, those big conventions they got going on, you will see uh, the the um, the Glazer Convention, the Glazer Clinic, which is a coaches clinic that happens in February. There, like Vegas is packed. Um, you can't walk around. The fight nights are crazy. From this past weekend with the Pacquiao Browner fight, in which I, we could call the Stephen A. Derek Carr fight because one's old, one's young. Except I'll take the young guy and you take the old guy. <laughs> and I think the roles are reversed. Uh, but this past weekend, it was nuts around the strip. I mean, everybody who's anybody was out there and people were going crazy. So I'm not going crazy in a bad way, but like people were just having a ball. So, I mean, Vegas, if people aren't going to just magically stop coming to Vegas because a team is moving there. Okay. That, that narrative is old. It's low hanging fruit. People aren't going to stop coming to Vegas. For if they stop coming to Vegas, it's for other reasons that are more personal than anything. It's not because a football team decided to move from one part of the country to another. No, not at all. Again, Vegas is one of those uh, landing spots, man. That's one of those ideal locations that a lot of folks want to go to. Some folks they they plan up all season long, or not all season long, but all year long for a, a vacation there. You know, they say, "Hey, when can we go and get away and go to Vegas?" I mean, that's what they do. Not to mention. Why are you talking about it? Yeah, there's a ton of folks that are going to come into the city and hang out in the city and go check out the, the the stadium and go check out the team, especially early on. But let's not get it twisted, man. Did you see all the support that the Golden Knights got from Vegas in year one? I mean, they and that's, oh, from, yeah. that's from the people there in the city. And I don't have to tell you because you're there. I'm not there, but I just know because my mom, Mama Q, is not a hockey person, but please believe she's got her Golden Knights gear. She's ready for the games. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's so fired oh, up. Wow. And, like, yeah, I mean, she's, like, all in on the Golden Knights. And when we lived in the Bay, I couldn't get her to a San Jose Sharks game to save her life. And now she's like, man, I want to go to the Golden Knights. This is our team. And so the Raiders are going to be embraced just the same. Now, I get it. They're not born in Vegas. But they're still the Raiders. It's still Vegas. There's a lot of transplants that are there. I mean, I mean, like I said, she's there. She's a Bay person. If I was there, I'd be a Bay. I mean, it's just it is what it is. They're going to be fully supported. It may not be the same as the Oakland Coliseum. I've already come to grips with that. It might not be the same tailgate situation. It may not be the same kind of party riding into the Coliseum. I get it. But they're going to be supported one way or the other. Vegas is not going to uh, slip at all. The Raiders are in a good spot when that stadium opens up. Look, I, I want to make this clear because I know there's going to be people that who don't like me are going to listen to this just for this segment. Um, I want to make this clear to anybody and everybody that listens. Okay. Q, you and I have talked about it. I've talked about this on 
Facebook Live, on Periscope, on on the air with ESPN uh, in Las Vegas, uh, 570 in Los Angeles, all over the place. Look, I personally, the Raiders will always be the Oakland Raiders to me. I never want them to like, I'm pro them leaving. No, all I was doing is, all I have been doing is reporting the news and the facts about what's going on. I'm not, and you could say it's slanted towards Vegas. No, when I call for, when I would call for news or information regarding the other side, the Bay Area side, the Oakland side, there would be no comment or there would be, we're not talking about it, where the Vegas people would talk about it. And the reality is this. I feel horrible for the fans that feel like they're being abandoned, that put so much time, effort, passion, and love into this team. That because And they're upset that they're leaving their area. But the Coliseum, and we've seen it that night against Denver, you've seen the pictures ESPN was putting out of water running down a walkway, you know, with, with wires right there for, for TV. Like, it is not a good environment, and it's not a suitable environment for an NFL franchise. Yes, there's a lot of history and tradition there. Yes, it is a, a, a great place to tailgate and to have a ball with people that you consider family and friends that, that, that are just as passionate about the Raiders as you are. But at the same time, you have to also understand they're making a business decision, and for the, let's say, fifty to 100,000 people that may not support the move and may not go to a game, you're going to probably have two hundred to three to four hundred to five hundred thousand people that do, and those people that are giving up their season tickets, they're already being scooped up by people. Yep. Like they're they're not they're not hurting for people trying to get season tickets and putting down their deposits for the PSLs and then their their season tickets. That's what's not happening. They're they're the support behind this is is even bigger and. Uh, and that, and that's, like, that's looking out on a granular scale. Let's look at it from a wider scale. How many people fly from Southern California, Arizona, Las Vegas, drive up from Central California, and all over the country to Oakland to watch a game for a weekend? Well, you don't think those same people, minus the Vegas people, would prefer to fly to Vegas? And you got people in the Bay that I know for a fact that I've had conversations with that are season ticket holders in Oakland are more than willing to fly down to Vegas and be a part of it because it is Vegas. Because it's like, man, we get to party Friday morning till Sunday night or Monday morning in Vegas. It doesn't get better than this. And watch our team in a brand-new palace, the $1.8 billion palace of Las Vegas. There's nothing better than that if you're if you're honestly and then winning a Super Bowl. Right. Like it is it's the thing to do. I get being hurt. But guess what? You're gonna have them for one more year in the bay. Hopefully. Like, realistically. <laughs> well no, they're, they're not, no, let's be let's be real. Well okay, listen. Where do you think they're gonna play next year, Q? If it's gun to your head right now, Raiders are playing where in twenty nineteen? I mean, my gut feeling tells me it's going to be at the Oakland Coliseum, but I can't say that as a matter of fact. But that's my gut feeling. I've been saying that for a while. Interesting. My gut feeling is AT and T Stadium, where the Giants play, whatever they're going to call it, 
or you know whatever Oracle right. Ballpark or whatever right. it's going to be called, which will suck. That <laughs> yeah, that that's where it's going to be at. That's where I think that's where they're going to be playing at. I, I don't think like first of all, when you got the mayor talking about oh quit being petty and just play the last year in the Coliseum and don't worry about our lawsuit. I'm sorry. Right. Right. No, <laughs> I'm not giving you a red cent. You're suing me. Right. And you're not going to win that. But okay, you're suing me. I'm not going to spend another dime in this city working with you. Okay. First of all, I'll go across the bay, play there for one last year, and then once my headquarters and my stadium is done, I'm in Vegas, and I'm not even thinking about Libby Shaft or the people that are suing me one bit. I'm, I'm focused on winning a Super Bowl, making sure that the future of this team is set up beyond what anybody can really realize, the way, the way that it's going right now. So best guess, Q, you say Oakland, me, I say San Francisco. That's what we think the Raiders are going to play next year. Yep, exactly right. And either way, I mean, they're both in the Bay, but for some reason I just think that uh, – you know, Mark Davis and the powers that be are going to talk to Libby Schaff and the powers that be. And, and you know, they kind of put bygones bygones. And I think that at some point, Mark's going to say, you know what, damn it, it's about the fans. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. It ain't about you. It's about the fans. Let's give it to them one more time because it's greatness. It won't be the same at AT&T Stadium. It won't be the same at Berkeley. It won't be the same at Levi Stadium. It won't be the same any of those places. Let's give it to them. We only have seven games because one of them is playing in London. Let's give it to them seven more times and call it a day and and move on. And then, like you said, uh, we'll all go our separate directions. So that's why I say Oakland. But, again, that's just my gut feeling. But when does Mark Davis have to stop turning the other cheek? Yeah. Like, it's always it's always been about the fans for right. him. Right. Like, when, when is it? Like, you know what? No. It's not about you. It's about what's best for the franchise. I think those are the franchises that are successful. They're the ones, that's their attitude. They they don't give two rats asses about a fan experience. Yeah, but, they, you, but the Patriots but, do. But honestly, the other fan bases or the other teams in the league haven't been sleeping in bed with a, a team for a couple of seasons knowing that they're leaving or they have a mistress that they're, that they're building a mansion for. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a little bit different because all these other teams, like the Rams, they bounced immediately and went to L.A. You know what I mean? They've been playing in the Coliseum. The Raiders have been playing in Oakland even though – they know that they're building a mansion for their new girl and their new love in another area. And, and the fans have still come out and support, supported them because it's the Raiders. Not because it's the Oakland Raiders, but because it's the Raiders. But see, I, but you, I don't get that. I get it's Oakland or nothing. It's, it's they belong in Oakland or they don't belong anywhere. And I disagree with that. I mean, quite frankly, yes, I, I'll say this. The Rams, they didn't have their lease, so they left and made do at the Coliseum and playing there. The Chargers didn't have their lease any longer, and they bounced because they didn't have the lease. The Raiders were stuck in a lease, and they weren't going to leave while being stuck in a lease. If they didn't have a lease, I would bet money. I would bet money that they would have bounced. And and just because, because of because of – the way certain people, I mean, and, it's, and let's be honest, it's only certain people. Like, there's only a, a small faction of the of Raider Nation that's up in arms with them moving. 
I can speak, and I have spoken, to a number of other Raiders fans. Some live in the Bay, some live in other parts of the country. And they're ecstatic about the move. Because like they say, they're not rooting for a city. They're rooting for the team. Now, me, I got it. I have a different opinion for next year. And, and, and it just brings me to, to Tim Kawakami's article in The Athletic where he called the Raiders weak because they're giving up uh, a home game. That is um, weak. That is very weak. Well, no, that's not weak. That's the NFL policy if you're relocating. Until your stadium is done, you have to play out of the at least one game out of the country. But they've done it three years in a that's, row now. This is going to be three years in a row, and that's that's stupid. I hate that. I absolutely hate but, it three years in a row. But that's the NFL's policy. It's not the Raiders. So wow. How can you begrudge the Raiders for something Roger Goodell and his cronies did? Yeah, I know, but it's just, I, I, I again, I, that was something that I had a problem with. Three years in a row, your team's already leaving the city. They're already, you know what I mean? They're already abandoning you. And again, I'm a Bay dude. I'm an Oakland dude. I'm very upset the fact that they're leaving, but I get it. The difference between me and a lot of people is I hate the move, but I get it because the city of Oakland and everyone else has not stepped up to the plate and said, okay, let's get this done. Mark Davis and Libby Schaff have not been able to come to the same uh, conclusion on the at the table. And again, it takes both sides. It's not one side. It's not the other side. It's, it's, it's both sides need to come together and make it happen, and they haven't been able to do it. So it bothers me that they're leaving Oakland for the second time. It really does because, like I said, I'm a Bay dude first and foremost before anything else. But – I get it, and so I know, and I celebrate the the, the stadium that they're going to get because I think they deserve that. They need to come into the two thousands, the two thousands and fifteens, the eighteens, nineteens, twenties. They need to come into that era as far as stadiums come. So I'm okay with that, but it does bother me that again they're leaving Oakland, and again the Oakland fans or the fans that packed the Coliseum, knowing that their team is leaving, is still packing it out, supporting it each and every week. And so that shows a lot of allegiance. And that's why, again, I think, you know what I'm saying? I think Mark Davis is, he's, he's done really good things for the team ever since he's taken over a lot of good things for the team. I think that he needs to probably take one more on the chin and just handle it. Even if it's not the best look for him, you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't mean he's going to, I'm just saying that that's what I think he should do. I guess this is where, I, we, I disagree with you. I, I think, you know what, you've gone out of your way. You've even met with fans after the relocation to hear, hear them out. What more can you do? They're suing you to try to keep your name, right. your colors, your records. That's, you're not going to win that. Do you know why Cleveland got a chance to keep those? I mean, you do, but I'm asking the fans in general. Right. The Browns were all that stuff was left because they were still in lease, and he picked them up and moved just like the Colts did in the middle of the night. He gave them a year's notice, and I'm out of here. And he and Modell bounced. So in order for the NFL to save face, because he broke lease, it's a historical franchise. The Raiders are as well, but they didn't break lease. He didn't go through any procedures to move. The Raiders went through the whole relocation process, having to pay a fee, paying for it. Yes, Vegas put up $750 million. Well, actually, Vegas didn't. People visiting Vegas who are paying 0.7% of a tax, not even a full percentage. It's 0.7% of a percentage. They're paying for it. The Raiders are funding everything else. They, 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 went, they dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. 
He went out of his way. He tried on numerous occasions to keep them there. The league tried to keep them there by reaching out to the city council and, and the mayor, only to have all their answers either or all their, all their inquiries rebuffed or ignored. So at that point, what are you going to do? Mark Davis has gone out of his way for the fans, for Raiders fans. I don't believe he needs to take it on the chin anymore. At this point, I think he needs, and he's already became a big boy owner when they voted him to move to Las Vegas, and he's on, I believe he's on five NFL committees right now. He's sitting at the big boy table. He's not the guy you guys, some people want to put out there as dumb and dumber. That's not Mark. Mark is smart enough to hire very smart people to do their jobs. I think it's time Mark says, you know what? Enough, you guys, you guys wanted this gone, Oakland? All right, we're out. You know, you, you heard about it. I get it. But I tried to be amicable. I tried to find solutions. Hell, we brought back the coach that everybody wanted, which, I mean, it was a good move. I mean, Gruden, I firmly believe Gruden's going to turn this team around, especially with Mike Mayock with him. I'm really, I really like that pairing. But at the end of the day, bro, like, I really feel as if he's gone out of his way to, keep, to, to make fans happy. But no matter what he does, it's never going to be enough. So you know what? You did all you can do. Go play somewhere else and come home to Vegas in 2020. That's fair. I mean, it really is. I, I can't argue with it. I can just tell you what I think as, as, as a guy on the outside looking in. I can just tell you what I think is going to happen, and I, I can tell you why I think it's going to happen, and I can tell you why I think it should happen. And, again, uh, he has done a lot of things. I'm not going to – I'm not the dude who's just – firing shots at Mark Mark Davis like a lot of folks are, a lot of Raider fans are. I'm not that dude. I'm not the dude who says he's an incompetent owner. I'm not that guy. I just I just think that, you know, because of the history of this team and the fact that this is the second time that they're leaving the city of Oakland, I mean, that's kind of brutal. You know, that's kind of brutal to leave but, but, again. But it's not it's not his fault. And again, it's I mean, the city of Oakland has a lot to a lot of blame as well, but they needed to meet in the middle, and obviously it would never happen regardless whose side of it didn't want it to happen. It just never happened. If you leave a city twice for the same reason, who's really at fault and the blame? Right? No, I, I, I you're I mean, right. Let's be logical about it. Both times they left is because of the stadium. Yeah. Nothing was really done. I mean, they put Mount Davis, but I mean, the, the core issues of the stadium, come on. It's the same ones they had back when they left in the '80s. Right. I mean, so, it was it was a bad I mean, deal. It was a bad deal that they signed in '95 when the team came back. I mean, it really was. It was absolutely. like the the city of Oakland was so eager to get them back. That was a bad deal. Mount Davis was a terrible idea. What they should have done is knock that thing down and put up a new stadium, or kept the A stadium and put up another one. You know what I mean? Like it was. It, it shouldn't have been what it was because that turned out to be terrible, and we all see it what it is now. I agree, and and I think this is one. And again, I'm not. I guess because I'm not a super fan, um, I'm not thinking with my heart. And I think, and and you are a fan. I think that emotion plays into it. Am I yes, right sir. or am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Because I spent so many times at that Coliseum parking lot. I spent so many times running around them. You know what I mean? At the Bart Station and everything, and just riding with the Raider fans. I mean, it's it's a different ball game, man. But again. I'm not poo-pooing 
Vegas at all. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's going to be awesome. If there's any team that's ever going to go into Vegas, why wouldn't it be the Raiders? They are that team. You know what I mean? The Looney said it back in the day. I'm a Raider, an Oakland Raider, from the Bay to L.A. to Las Vegas. I mean, they said that back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to uh, Yuck Mouth, man. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, back in the day, look, that, that was something that was already foreseen. And look, Al Davis tried to get the team to Vegas a long time ago as well. So it's not like this is something brand new. I'm not mad at them for going there. I just I just don't like the way that it all shook out. And so I'm hoping, based off of what we saw on that Monday night in uh, against Denver, the way that the, the city rode, the way that the fans rode, the way that the team played, and I think that the team absolutely wants to play in Vegas, or not in Vegas, in, in, uh, in Oakland one more time. I think the way that they were out there, John Gruden, he loves the city of Oakland. I think one more year would be great. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, well, so be it. That's business, and that's what we, we got to do. Okay, now I have an idea. I have an idea for the Raiders next year. It'll never happen, but I have an idea. I think the Raiders should play one preseason game in Fresno at Bulldog Stadium. Yeah. I think they should play another preseason game in San Diego down at Qualcomm. Okay. Both home games. Both home games. This is assuming they're not playing at the Coliseum. Okay, I'll say right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I think, okay, and because they're not going to be in Oakland, I think the NFL should allow them for the one year to just be known as the Raiders. No city, just the Raiders. So when you say the Kansas City Chiefs travel to San Francisco to take on the Raiders. Right. Not the Oakland Raiders, just the Raiders. Because they're the ultimate nomads of the NFL. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you if you think about it, Fresno, you know firsthand, Derek goes back there, they're selling that stadium out. Bulldog Stadium is filled to capacity. The parking's gonna be horrendous around it, but I mean, park at the jack in the box on the corner of a uh, um um was it Bullard or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, park there and walk up a few blocks. Um but that would be huge. That way you got your, your central California fans, and they're all everybody can converge there. You go down to San Diego, now you got your SoCal fans because you're not going to get anywhere in LA. So you go down to San Diego, now you got your SoCal fans. Now you're preaching, you're selling out two different or two different stadiums, and then you just take off the city name and just have the Raiders as your team for the uh, for the 2019 season before they move to Las Vegas. Well, you know the, fun- you the funny thing about that is that Greg Papa's been living like that forever. I mean, he's been living like that for the longest. You know, what I mean, I'm serious. I mean, the the uh, the old uh, voice of the the, the Raiders, the the guy that uh, obviously was missed in 2018, and Brent Musburger took over for him. The guy that was fired before the season started. Uh, Greg Pop has been saying that for the longest. He says I always refer to the Raiders as the Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders, not the L.A. Raiders, because you don't know. This was the exact quote. You don't know with this team. You don't know where they're going to play, who they're going to be. So as far as I'm concerned, they are the Raiders. And so I would have no problem with that. Actually, I would kind of like it. I would love if they were that team because, one, the Raiders have always been different. And Raider Nation is worldwide. I mean, hell, I'm in Central Texas right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's Raider fans everywhere. I, I know for a fact there's Raider fans everywhere. So I would have no problem with the team just being referred to as the Raiders. Why not? You're cut from a different cloth. You're a different team. You're a different uh, breed of animal. Why not show it? Why not show it even in your name? You know, just, I ain't got to go by a full name. I'll go by initial. Just like, I, hey, I'm your boy Q. Okay, that's all I got to be. 
When you say Q, that's who you're talking about. When you're talking about the Raiders, you know who you're talking about. You ain't got to put a city on them. Just put the name. It's the Raiders. How many armadillos have you shot being in Texas? None. I don't shoot guns, man. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Hey, look, <laughs> E40 told me the best, man. He said, don't uh, don't pull no gun unless you're you're planning on uh, you know shooting someone else. And I, I'm not doing that. I, I get nervous, man. I'm telling you, I I'm not cut from that cloth. You know what I'm saying? I, I ain't doing that. But uh, Central Texas has shown me a lot, man. I'll tell you, being in Texas has been a, a different animal. And uh, football, you want to act like uh, some folks don't love football. Texas loves them some football. I mean, from from the peewee level all the way up to to uh, high school, you know, college, NFL, everything. I mean, football is absolute king. So, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot in Central Texas. But uh, soon enough, man, I'll be out there in Vegas with you doing some things. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for that. And speaking of, you know, I know you'll be out there in 2020 for the draft. And yep. the draft, uh, the Senior Bowl's taking place right now. I know you have my guy on there, Ben Albright, today on your show. And on your show, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out there at the Senior Bowl, so I had to uh, I had to holler at him and see what he was talking about, see who he was looking at, and seeing how guys were, were, were playing out there. And look, the Senior Bowl, man, to me, and I don't know how you feel about it, but the Senior Bowl carries more weight than the Combine does to me because the Combine is the Underwear Olympics. The Senior Bowl, they're actually doing things. They're doing plays. They got pads on. They're popping things. I mean, these guys are really out there working, and it's a very select few. And, and these coaching staffs, and for the Raiders, it's, it's a fortunate thing where they're out there they get a heads up start on uh you know who's out there and uh obviously the 49ers as well but uh I, I like it man I love it and Mike Mayock I think this is his time to shine so I know you mentioned earlier that you like the the John Gruden and Mike Mayock uh, pairing I do too and I think that them getting a, a head start in in Mobile Alabama for the senior bowl I think that's a plus that's a win-win-win right there for the Raiders couldn't agree more I think, and I'm gonna tell you the reason why I like Mayock and um and John as a parent you got two guys that have over 20 years of history with each other. He's got 25 years knowing Paul Gunther, uh, 30 years knowing uh, uh, Basaccia, the special teams coach. And, and I agree with him. He said this today on NFL Network when I was, when I was watching the Senior Bowl. He said that um, there's been a disconnect between the coaching staff and scouting department. That's been the biggest thing he's noticed with all the franchises that are not successful and haven't been successful. He's a guy that has the direct connection with the head coach, who's also essentially the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator and special teams. They can go right to him, and there's a friendship already there. That's perfect. You've got a guy who for 32 teams, he went out there and was basically drafting for 32 teams for 60 to 90 days. Now he focuses on one. And – yeah, John's going to have the last say-so with guys, but you don't think what Mike says is going to carry weight with John? John's going to be like, this guy nailed this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Yeah, he's missed a couple, but you know every GM does. Yep. But to have, to have the cachet that they have now with Mayock and his – and this guy, I mean, when he watches film, I've talked to some people at the NFL Network that I know that work there, and they're, and some of them are, are talent on air, and some of them are behind the scenes as producers – um, and they literally said he's in there watching a bunch of film like like an animal. Like he's in there just hours after hour when he's, when he's in studio. And then when he's away, he watches them at home. And he's traveling everywhere. Now he's doing it to get paid by a team? Are you kidding me? Like this, is, this was a magnificent hire. I talked to a couple of NFL people who really, really like the hire. They think it's a really good pairing. And, like, and it goes also like kids choosing schools. 
because we know National Signing Day is coming up in a couple of weeks to talk about the fit. This is a great fit between the two, personality-wise, mentality-wise, what you know, their lockstep, what they want to do, and bringing in AJ Smith to help out. That's I think that's a shrewd move by by Mayock and Gruden and Mark Davis. Um, but make no mistake about it, it's Mayock and Gruden. They're running the show, and and they the height, weight, speed, all that stuff. They're good. They know exactly what they want to do with the player, and at the end of the day, you're going to see guys. Okay, we need we need this fast receiver. If he's six three, two twenty, and runs, okay, cool. But if he can look good, but if, if they're watching tape and this guy's got like hands for rocks or what, what was that? What was that movie with the armadillos down there? And uh, it was uh, Kathy Ireland was the kicker, and and. Uh, uh, Willie Davis's son was the receiver, and he couldn't catch anything. He had to look at it like toilet paper and catch it. Uh, I, I forget the name of the movie. I have no it's idea. Old, I'm not good at movies. <laughs> it's an old '80s or '90s movie, but um, I, if it was, if yeah, it was that, in the that, '80s and it was a wasn't a porno, I don't know it. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it. Um, good lord, I forget the name. I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna remember the name in a minute. But at the end of the day. Um, if you have a receiver that can't catch anything, you know, uh, that's a problem. Yep. That, that is, that's a problem. And, you know, and they're not, you're not going to have guys like that. No, no, you're not. And I, again, I, I'm very excited about it. I think that you hit it on the head. You, I mean, you summed it up perfectly, but the thing about it is, I mean, if you want to make it real short and short and simple, these guys are just like each other. They're identical. And it's not a, these are Reggie's guys or these are John's guys. It's like, no, we're all together. John and Mike Mayock, they see eye to eye. They're on the same page. They're on the same level. So, yeah, like you mentioned, John Gruden's going to have the last say. But since he respects Mike Mayock, they're all going to be together instead of, yeah, well, that's Reggie McKenzie, the GM. He was here before me. Uh, yeah, I don't really respect what him and his sta- scouting staff, regardless if they're right or not, don't really respect what they're looking at. I respect what I'm looking at. You know, and, and John Gruden hasn't had the the best history as far as drafting guys. So that's why I'm so excited that Mike Mayock is there because he knows these guys. Where he may struggle in other areas of being a GM, that's where he's going to need help. This part right here is the most important. This is what the Raiders need to hit on. We mentioned it probably an hour and a half ago that the Raiders need to hit on this draft or else they're in trouble, and it could set them back. And I think you mentioned it about seven years if they don't get this right. If they get uh, Robert Gallery instead of Larry Fitzgerald, if they go and get uh, Michael Huff instead of, um, I don't know, Stud, Calvin Johnson, or if they go get you know uh, Fabian Washington instead of Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be in trouble for years to come in this in this draft and, and just in general. So they have to get it right, and that's where Mike Mayock's going to excel. That's why I think them getting that that jump start and them being at the Senior Bowl is going to be huge because that's his wheelhouse. Let him let a cheetah be a cheetah. Go ahead and run. If you can run, run, young man, run. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I'm fired up about is that he has the opportunity to show how good he really can be. The name of the movie was Necessary Roughness. Oh, hey, that's hey, it's almost the name of my uh, show that I do on the regular. I do Unnecessary Roughness. Okay, so there, my bad. Uh-huh. I guess I should have known that. My yeah, fault. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take one quick final break, and we're going to come back and talk about the Senior Bowl, who you need to watch. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some rumors going around as well. Uh, this is Q&A with Q and Joe Arrigo on Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation.
Welcome back to Q&A with Q and Joe Arrigo on Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. I'm Joe Arrigo. Q's with me. And we're before we took a quick break, we were talking about the Senior Bowl and everything that goes about with it. And we know the show lasted a lot longer than what, than what we anticipated. So we're going to make this one pretty quick because I know it's getting late on Q's side of town uh, as well. So um, Q, the, the, the rumor was, and the people keep trying to connect dots, quarterbacks and and Kyler Murray the Heisman Trophy winner from Oklahoma um people seem to think that he's a guy that the Raiders could have interest in uh not necessarily at pick four but later on in the draft should he be there um me personally I don't buy it uh may I kind of threw water on those rumors those five that fired today and saying that Derek Carr is not the problem with the Raiders offense we talked about that way earlier but Kyler Murray he's a guy he's 5'10", let's say. I think he's a little, he ain't that right around 5'10". Yeah, he ain't that tall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going by what he's listed as. Okay, right. Baseball is 5'11", but we know Oklahoma has him listed at 5'10". Um, he's a son of a quarterback coach. He's He had better numbers than um, Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma when he won the Heisman. Um, he is electric with the ball in his hand. Um I just don't see him as a guy that would be a fit for what John Gruden wants to do. And the main reason why, and people don't talk about this, that means Gruden has to pare down the playbook for another year. Mm-hmm. And so he has to wait for this guy to catch on and how to be an NFL quarterback when Carr's already there. And the playbook can be expanded a little bit now. I don't think, I think that's the main reason why, one, one of the main reasons why. Murray isn't a fit for the Raiders. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll be. I'll go a step further. I don't think Murray's a fit for the NFL. Period. You know, I mean, I just, I really don't. Just because of the fact that he's not as tall as as he's listed. He's listed as the same height as Russell Wilson. He's not the same height as Russell Wilson. He's not as thick as Russell Wilson. That's a little dude. He's about five eight and a half, five nine max, and maybe one eighty five. That's a little dude. He's going to get killed in the NFL. And if you're a GM of an NFL team. And if you're Mike Mayock and John Gruden and you're all of a sudden hitching your wagon to the back of 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 Kyler Murray and, and thinking that he's going to be the end all be all, and we all know how the NFL stands for not for long, you're gonna be out of there quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because if this dude doesn't uh, succeed immediately, you're gonna be in trouble. So my thing is, and I've said this and I've asked people before, like, look, the Raiders have three first round draft picks. So just say Kyler Murray was there around 25, 26. Would you grab him at 27? Me personally, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't grab Kyler Murray, and this is just me. You, look, everyone has their own opinion, and I respect it. I wouldn't grab Kyler Murray to at least the third round. I just wouldn't. promise you. I would not do it because if I fail on a third-round draft pick, I don't like it, but I'm okay with it. But if I fail on a first-round draft pick when I got as many holes as the Raiders do, I really have a problem. I'm going to take myself out back and shoot myself in the head. I'm not going to do that. So I think it would be stupid. It would be insane. You know, it's one of those things that Derek Carr got mad at Max Kellerman because that's what he was trying to imply, that John Gruden's going to go out and get Kyler Murray and trade Derek Carr. That would be insane for every reason you said. Look, it took Derek Carr so long to learn Gruden's system. You think Kyler Murray's going to go in there and learn the system? Look, I cover the Big 12 all the time. Yes, he was a stud in the Big 12. There ain't a whole lot of great defenses being played in the Big 12. Just going to throw it out there. There's there's <laughs> no great defense played in the Big 12. It, it's... 
it's it's really should be called the big six because only half you can play half the defense. Exactly right. I mean, Texas, their defense has been pretty good. Uh, Baylor's defense is getting better. Uh, TCU's defense is, is is pretty stinking good. I mean, there's there's a couple here and there, but it's not it's not like that. It, they just they don't do it. You know, they don't play defense, and and uh, he put up crazy numbers, and Lincoln Riley is a genius up there in Oklahoma. That's why he's had two straight uh, Heisman Trophy winners. But, no, I'm not going to – I would never pick him to, to, to be on the Raiders at all. Like I said, if I was going to waste a, a pick, and I call it a waste because I think that's what it would be, I would pick him in the third round, and that's only if I had an extra third-round pick. But, uh, you know, that's that's just my opinion, and, and a lot of people are going to feel different ways. But that that's just me. Well. I'll say this, and Scott Winter pointed this out when the Raiders traded for uh, Montavious Bryant. Only forty percent of third rounders pan out in the NFL. Right. So take that, take that to where it's where it is. Okay. So I'm looking at it like this: three picks, four, twenty-four, and twenty-seven. Correct. So I think me personally, if I'm taking it, if I'm sitting at four and I have Josh Allen, uh, Clemley, uh Cleveland, Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland Farrell, Cleveland Farrell. I don't know why I can't pronounce his name. Me too. It took me a while. It took me a while. Yeah, or Montez Sweet, Sweat Sweet, whatever. One of those three guys should be the pick. And the reason why I say is this: Bosa is going top two. He's not getting the four. Um, Farrell is a proven sack artist that can come off the edge with his hand in the dirt. Um, same thing with Sweat. I, I like the fact that he's 6'6", 252, and runs the same as Farrell, who's 6'4", 265. They both run a 4'7", but they have an explosive first step. But Josh Allen, to me, would be the ideal fit to play opposite of Arden Key, who, by the way, just had a baby, so, so congratulations to Arden and his family. Um, Allen is that dude. Now, will he be there at four? He's a guy that can, he's going top four. I don't think he slides past the Raiders. But if I'm sitting there, best-case scenario, Allen's there at four. I take Allen. And then what I do, I don't feel the Raiders' interior line is a need by any means. I actually think that uh, their interior line is actually a strength with Jelly Ellis, with Hurst, and with uh, P.J. Hall. P.J. Hall, yeah. I think that that's, that's a strength. So I don't even worry about that as much. I come back with a receiver in round one, and then Kill Harry should be there. Mm-hmm. 6'3", 215 pounds, or A.J. Brown. He's a, little, he's a little more. Not Marquise Brown at that spot. I think he can get him a little – I think he can get him early round two if you really want him. Uh, but Paris Campbell's another one. Made plays at Ohio State. I think D.K. Metcalf is taken relatively early. And plus, he's got an injury history. Then if I come back at 27, um, I'm looking at a, a potentially like a Devin Bush. Um, I like Mac Wilson a lot because he's productive. Um, but at that point, what I may do is double down on my, on my defensive line. And I look at a Zach Brown from Boston College who I think is a major sleeper. Um, this guy it just just produces. He's he's just a dog as a defensive end. He's going to be overlooked by a lot of people. I think at the back end of round one, you get a Brown and Allen and a Harry. 
you've you've tremendously improved your defense, and then you can focus on the tight end spot if you if if Jared Cook leaves, or you can go back and maybe go get another receiver. I wouldn't waste I wouldn't waste my capital on a running back early. Um, they're not in that position, and they can get a guy like a Bryce Love in the third, fourth, fifth round if they want to take a chance on him coming off an ACL. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, uh, you know, that first round is going to be very, very interesting. The cool thing about it is they got four picks in, what, the top 40? You know what I mean? Like, that. that's even yeah. – even though it's uh, it dips into round two, it's, there's still – probably a lot of round one quality uh, going to be in the, the top of the second round. So that's exciting for Raiders, for the Raiders. And uh, what I think they do, and honestly, this is my gut feeling is John Gruden's going to make sure that his offense is taken care of. And I would not be surprised at all if they go and pick up a, another offensive lineman in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if they go and get Jonah Williams out of Alabama early at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade back from number four and get him like around number 10. Or number eleven, if they can, uh, I, I I could totally see that and uh, collect a couple more picks because they got a ton of holes. Uh, Devin White, the linebacker at LSU, if they don't trade back, I would love to see love him. His game, he's great. He's awesome. If he's available at number four, I, they, when was the last time the Raiders had a sideline to sideline linebacker that was just an absolute stud? I mean, it's been years, you know, years even before like Kirk Morrison and and, and those cats. I mean, they needed. They need a real deal sideline to sideline linebacker, a guy that can blitz, a guy that can cover, a guy that can, you know, just uh, tackle. I mean, everything. And, and I don't know if if they've had that guy in a long time. So I could totally see them addressing the linebacker position. Uh, Nikhil Harry, you hit it on the head. I like him a lot. Arizona State, uh, Herm Edwards guy. I think he's a he's a really good dude that would fit in uh, John Gruden's system. And since he worked under. Uh, uh, Herm Edwards his last season in Arizona State I think that he's kind of already acclimated to the the pro system and I think uh, um, Herm Edwards would tell John Gruden a lot of good things about him and, and kind of hype him up a little bit I think that dude could be an absolute stud and you know then you kind of look at the back end like the, the 27th pick and and you just figure out you know what you need to do I'm not sure exactly what direction they go if they go with the defensive back in that direction if they go with the linebacker depending on if they picked one up or not I mean that's the beautiful thing about the the first round and having three picks regardless no one thought it was going to be four 24 and 27 everyone thought it'd be like four 12 and maybe 20 you know what I mean like that's what I was kind of thinking but hey you know it didn't shake out that way but they still had three first round draft picks and I think they have a lot of capital to make a lot of nice picks and start to develop this team quicker, faster than 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 most people thought. And I wouldn't. I know you mentioned the the interior line, and that it's not a it's not a priority. But if Quentin Williams falls from uh, Alabama to number four, I would not be surprised to see the Raiders just go ahead and, and pull the trigger on him and get him because I don't think that they're in a position where they can say, well, we don't need that guy. I think that they, they need quality players. They need absolute dogs and say, you know what, this is the best guy on our board right now. We're gonna go get him. I think he goes higher than number four, but. If he's there at number four, I can see the Raiders pulling that trigger on him. I think if that's the case, they trade back, and, I, and I'm going to tell you why. I think I'm going to disagree with some of what, what the experts are saying. I think there's going to be a run on quarterbacks early. I think I think you're gonna, the Giants, everybody knows the Giants and the Jaguars need them. But you look at Cincinnati, you look at Miami, you look at even Washington. Those are teams that, that you know, the, you don't know about Alex Smith. So – I think the Raiders are going to be in a spot where they can move back and maybe get uh, go get the same guy they want at four, unless it's Josh Allen a couple picks later. And the quarterback, I think people should watch. And I think Haskins is going to be the first quarterback off the board. Yep. But I think potentially the guy to, that, especially with the Giants, the guy to watch is Daniel Jones from Duke. Mm. 
Okay. If you read tea leaves, if you read tea leaves and connect dots, he, he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. Chose Duke over USC and a bunch of other schools. But Jones was is has was coached the last three years or four years by David Cutcliffe, who was the Ole Miss head coach when Eli Manning was there and was the Tennessee offensive coordinator when Peyton Manning was there. So when you look at Cutcliffe has ties to Manning, they can keep Manning for a year. Manning knows that, you know, that this is it for me. This is my last year in, in New York. They have a guy that's worked out with Manning that was coached by Manning that they can get any information they want. I think Daniel Jones is a guy potentially at number six overall. If, if Haskins isn't the first quarterback taken there, which I don't think he will be, based off of what Shermer likes to do with his quarterbacks, Jones fits it more. And I think that could be a spot where you see the Giants say, hey, we'll move up two spots to get our guys so nobody else can jump us and get them at four or five. Just keep an eye on that. That's something that to me, because after Jones, you have, again, you have Murray, you have Locke, you have Greer. And then after that, there's like, there's a huge drop. I'm sorry, like, like, Stidham, um, I don't see it with him. I, I, I don't he's either. a guy that I think is developmental. I think you have to have a strong coach and a quarterback in place, and you know you know you need to develop him. Um, Clayton Thorson doesn't have the arm strength. Uh, that's the kid out of Northwestern. Uh, Brett Rippon at Boise, again, not not a big strong arm. Minshew from from Washington State. He's coming from an air raid system. He's had one year of success, and then you have Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. Again, another developmental guy. But there's a huge drop-off after, really, Greer. There's, there's a big drop-off. And I actually think Drew Locke makes sense for the Raiders in round two if he wants to go that way because of his mentality and the way that he likes to grind. The guy loves to keep his head in the playbook and things of that nature. Do I think he's the heir apparent to Derek Carr? No, because you don't need to draft that guy yet. Right. But if you want to have a really good backup – and a guy that you could potentially down the road flip for picks, or let's say you add a, you trade back into round one from four, let's say you go four to six, you pick up a second round pick, or you go from 24 to 25 or 26 and you pick up a second or third round pick. Now you have some capital where you can take that quarterback and, and develop him a little bit. Do I think that's the case? No. I, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback there, but that's a guy you should definitely keep an eye on because he fits what Gruden likes in quarterbacks. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, man. They definitely need to upgrade that uh, backup quarterback position. And like you said, man, if they get a really good one, maybe they're able to flip it. Uh, all the really good teams do, Green Bay, New England, all those teams, they go out and get quarterbacks year. Maybe uh, they skip a year and then go get another one, and then all of a sudden they're able to flip it. So that would be uh, that would be good. It would be smart. I just don't think that this quarterback class is very good. I really don't. I mean, you mentioned Benjamin Albright earlier uh, on the podcast, and uh, when I talked to him today, he was just like, man, this this quarterback class is not very good. You know, he he started comparing yeah. some of the quarterbacks to Case Keenum. I don't. I'm not going to draft Case Keenum. I'll get Case Keenum on the open <laughs> market. I'm not going to draft him. He's not. I mean, ask Denver fans. He's not very good. They gave him money, and he's just he's okay. There's a reason why you know he went his whole NFL career and he wasn't great, and all of a sudden he had one good year, and then he got paid. But 
yeah, he, he's just not that dude. So I'm, I'm not sold on that quarterback class, but if there's one that Gruden likes that maybe he can go in there and find him to be the the, the backup quarterback and, and like I said, uh, you know, able to flip him later, great. That's all good. Again, I, I mean, the only thing I would do is keep an eye on Kyler Murray for maybe the third round, but if that's the case and the Raiders were to pull the trigger on them or any team pull the trigger on Kyler Murray in like the third round or whatever, I think he goes immediately to baseball and says, you know what? Never mind, this NFL thing ain't going to work because the money's not what he's expecting or what he wants. So uh, that's that's really all I got on the on the quarterback situations. Yeah, I would agree. And then, you know, obviously it's it's week one of the Senior Bowl. It's really the first week teams are really diving into their draft. You know, they're, they're not even put – next week is when they put their boards together um, because they, they come back from the Senior Bowl where everybody's at right now other than the Patriots and Rams co- coaching staffs. And everybody's – you know, meeting with players, having discussions. And I want to give some love um, to my boy, uh, Charlie Campbell, over at WalterFootball.com. Charlie does, is a good friend of mine. He does a great job over there. And he actually has, he actually, uh, has a list, and he starts a, a running list of what players are meeting with what teams at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, and then guys that get flown into each uh, each team's uh, facilities. Um, he does a really good job of tracking it and putting it up for fans. So you kind of have an idea of what they're looking at and who they're looking at, what they're trying to do. So um, I want to give Charlie some love. And uh, man, that's it for the first show. We went way longer than what we <laughs> normally will. Normally the shows will be an hour, but the one thing about what we want to do here uh, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network is we definitely want the shows to be organic. And we definitely want it to be the type of show where if we go longer, then so be it. And guess what? Sometimes if the shows may not be where we need them to be, we're going to cut them short. That's just how it is. We're going to be very transparent. You're not going to get no BS from me. You're not going to get none from Q. Definitely not going to get it from Nick Hamilton. Um, So we definitely want you guys to know that we appreciate you listening. Uh, the shows will normally be an hour and uh, just the show line up again you got Q&A with your boy Q and myself Joe Arrigo you have the silver and black turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter spitting silver and black with Anaya, Kalen and Addison and then finally you have the Raiders Roundtable which is basically our around the horn type show where you'll get some of us from the uh, SBP podcast network and then you'll you'll also get uh, some recording artists maybe celebrities or former players or whomever and then you'll also get a fan if you're a fan you know it's raiders podcast on sbnation at gmail.com let us know if you're interested and you want to be a part of it one of us will reach out to you and get you guys locked in and on the show uh, and Q, man, it's a good first show for the for the first week. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is what we do, man. When we get together and we start talking, man, there's no stopping us. And, and uh, yeah, it is what it is. Sometimes it's going to go long. Sometimes it's going to go longer than long. But it is all good. It's always good stuff. And uh, I had a lot of fun, man. I look forward to many more of these to come. Absolutely. So we want to thank you guys for joining us. Um, again, this is the debut show. What we got going on here, uh, Silver and Black Pride, it's the podcast network on SB Nation and we appreciate you guys for taking your time to listening listening to us and just go off talking Raider football and, and everything that's Raider related uh, again have a great rest of your evening or your day when you hear this uh, the next show up will be Silver and Black Turf with Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter and then uh, the following day you'll have Spitting Silver and Black with Anaya, Kaylin and Addison and that'll be the, that'll be the shows for this week next week we're going to get into a regular schedule We'll, we'll kind of put the schedule out there uh, on Twitter. So thanks for listening to us. Uh, we appreciate you, Raider Nation. 
and have a great day on behalf of myself, Q, and everybody on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network on SB Nation. We appreciate you listening.